Hello and welcome to this episode of Ofsted Talks. This time we're speaking to Yvette Stanley, Ofsted's National Director for Regulation and Social Care, Andrew Cook, our Regional Director for the Northwest, and we're talking about leaving care. We're also speaking to Donna Brown, our Head of Research, who is herself care experienced. Yvette, tell us obviously got a, a massively important role in this sector, part of which we, we carry out clearly by talking to as many care leavers as we possibly can. And over this summer, we surveyed care leavers, didn't we? Tell us a bit about that and what are we hoping to find out? Yes, you're absolutely right, Chris. Um, talking to the young people is a really important part of our time in children's homes, um, when, we're work- when we're working, looking at fostering agencies and local authorities. And we also do our annual survey because it's really important to us to know how young people are being supported and preparing for their futures. We were pleased to ask some current care leavers about helping us design the questions, making sure that we really got to the issues that were of concern to them. We not only want to hear from young people who might be leaving care soon or from those who left care recently, we also wanted to hear from people who left care maybe a few years ago, really so that we can learn from the experience of everybody who's been through the care system. Just to say the team absolutely loved doing this piece of work. particularly because they got to work with care leavers and constructing the the questionnaires they got to hear their experiences but they really worked sort of hand in glove with with a lot of care leavers on this project and a lot of a lot of people gave their time and and supported the team in developing it and um yeah we we were really pleased and really grateful that they they took part Andrew Cook our regional director for the northwest did we get did we get Donna care leavers from across the country I mean, not it wasn't representative, obviously, but um, but yeah, we had a, we had a good mix of of care leavers attend workshops to to develop the questions, and it it wasn't a case of us sort of we've got some questions we've developed. What do you think of them? They really they started the ball rolling, and they came up with you know what what was most important to them as care leavers, and we really we really took their lead on it actually. So um, yeah, yeah, we're really chuffed. Just just to endorse what Donna's just said. Um, you know, we would have come up with a crusty old sentence about like, how you're being prepared for financial independence. Um, yeah. And, and, and they, they strip that back to the absolutely, um, you know. Uh, have we got uh, enough money? Have we got enough money? Yeah. And, and, and to be frank, um, you know, our, our, our children in care are used to having a budget and managing. They, they often take a, a great deal of personal responsibility far earlier than, than um, you know, biological children do who still live, reside with their family. So people raise with us how they're being supported with independence. How are they being supported to maintain relationships with their biological family? Because beyond care, you know, your support networks are going to be really important. So it's how you maintain those relationships, relationships with your personal advisor, with your social worker with your biological family with your foster care siblings you've, you've spent years with a family that relationship isn't severed overnight I really think that getting behind the things that are really important to our care leavers are, are absolutely key and that's interesting because in the northwest I was hearing stories of of some of the in you know in the covid months that we've gone through where restrictions to to transport public transport was actually a real issue for some young people you know, it actually, it stopped them going to see members of their family. And, um, you know, it's, it's just those really practical things that got in the way, as they did for everybody. But obviously, 
particularly for care leavers? I mean, the team are still working through the the responses and, and you know, they'll be drafting the report in, in the next next couple of months. But I think what it will really help us do is is compare side by side the statute, what, what are local authorities required to provide in preparation support and then what are care leavers telling us they're actually getting and how big is that that difference? You know, once we've pulled, picked it apart a bit more, we'll be able to train inspectors on what we've learned and, and they'll be able to take that out into their inspection practice as well. So it'll be a real wraparound piece of work. Yvette, tell us what is Ofsted's role in children's social care for those who perhaps don't know so much about it? We're Ofsted, we're the regulator of children's homes and foster care agencies. So this means that we register the people and the places who support children in care and those preparing to leave care. Uh, For children's homes and fostering agencies, this means that we monitor and inspect the provision and report publicly on what we find. And when things are just not good enough, we can undertake enforcement activity. And that might mean saying that they can only have fewer children at the provision or even closing a home and an agency. We also inspect and report on local authority children's services, but the DfE are their regulator and they will decide whether to intervene um, in a local authority. When we visit children's homes, we'll be talking to the children who live there about what it's really like to live in that home, how they're supported now and how they're being prepared for the time that they will leave. We do the same when we inspect local authority children's services, where we meet children who are in care and also care leavers. What is their experience? What's working well for them? What could the services that are meant to support them do to to help them for the future? But now, really importantly, do they feel safe and supported now? And are they being well prepared for life beyond care? Yvette, we've spoken a bit about foster care already. Tell us a bit more about uh, what happens in foster care and, and importantly, what happens afterwards. So so most of the children in care in the country are, are in foster care. So they're living with a family, um, with a family where there may be other foster children who will be their siblings or or maybe with the biological children of the foster carers, or or if the foster carer is a bit older, with contact to grandchildren, which is always lovely. These are the homes and the family for our children over periods of time. And it's really important that young people um, know what's going to happen to them beyond 18. For some young people um, now, that means a, a staying put arrangement, which allows a young person to remain with their foster carers after their 18th birthday. But it has to be both right for them and for their foster carers and their foster carers do have to agree to it. And there are complicated issues around payments and benefits and a whole heap of other things that make that do make that a very difficult decision for foster carers, many of whom would love to continue to um, be the be the parent, even if the children move on. Uh, It's a bit more challenging for children in residential care. There is a staying close equivalent, but but it needs a lot more investment and support to make it really work. Um, We look at staying put arrangements on inspection and and most people would agree that the opportunity to stay put with their foster carers is, is such a good initiative. After all, most young people don't leave home until they're ready. And for most young people, that definitely isn't before they're 18 and and for some considerably afterwards. But we know staying put opportunities are not always available. And sometimes the support um, from carers does, does taper off. 
and sometimes the planning the planning doesn't start soon enough I remember having many conversations with my social workers and with young people about what is the time to start making those decisions about your next stages in your life. And But I think young people, you know, even at 14, want to really know what's happening to them at 18 because they're planning what they're doing in terms of their education. Are they going to go on to university? So having those conversations, albeit that they can be difficult early on and, and working over those years to make sure that there is a clear a clear pathway for those young people into early adulthood is just so important. It's a really difficult, a difficult one that, isn't it, about at what point you start those conversations and what conversations you have, because they're starting it too late. But then there's, you know, for me personally, I was having those conversations at 14, 15, um, moving into a new placement where it was made pretty clear when you turn 18, you know, you have to leave. So at 14, 15, I was very conscious that I had a set time period and you know at 16 I got a job so that I could start saving I did my driving test really early but I I felt that pressure um very young and was worried about where I was going to go and what was going to happen to me so it's it's tricky isn't it to get that balance right absolutely I can't I I I so agree Donna um it's really important that young people have got that you know as much certainty of planning but in even having that conversation you are creating uncertainty and anxiety and that's why the relationship with their social worker and their foster carer is is so important and why i i was against your social worker changing in that period of time as if we can give as much continuity to the young people during that period of time then then that gives them one less pressure in what will be um and you know you know those of us that weren't in foster care what am i going to you know am i going to stay on to do a levels am i going to go to college to have all of that and then on top where am i going to live you know am i going to be able to maintain my relationship with my foster care siblings it is really hard and and and, and absolutely really important that we do that so well and so supportively and with as much continuity as we can offer Done the really, really important decisions you talked about making then. What was the role of the school in all of that? Do you think that helped? Funnily enough, actually, I just I had one really great form tutor who sort of sat me down and said, look, if you go to university, you'll get a student loan and you'll have somewhere to live for three years and you can sort of not worry about it for a bit then. And and it was the perfect time to have that conversation with me because I was 14. GCSEs were far enough away that I could get my head down um but close enough that you know I, I I could just I could just get on with it so so that's what I did and that and and I that was what I worked towards and it wasn't I have to be honest it wasn't because I had fantastic ideas about what I wanted to do in a career or anything it was literally that's a really good option of a place to go and live for a bit and luckily you know that that worked out reasonably well but but were all the people around you at that point that were supporting you were they all were they all talking to each other as well no I mean I was in a at that I'd spent most of my time in care in formal foster care stranger foster care but at that point I'd moved into kinship with my aunt and uncle um they they didn't really have much of a relationship with my social worker who kept changing who I didn't really have much of a relationship with um and basically the only thing I got in the end was they agreed to pay half of my university fees, um, which didn't actually help me in the immediate term at all. Um, it meant when I was 30, I had a lower student loan to pay back, but 
when I was 18 that didn't really do do very much no um I would say it was my friends parents that helped me the most actually my best friend's mum gave me a lot of support and a lot of encouragement and and I got it from people you know informal relationships rather than any kind of care provided relationships so at Ofsted we're always in the market for opportunities for improvement and we talk to government don't we regularly about things that we're worried about what's on your mind at the moment I think something that's very topical Chris is the 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 worries that we've had for some time about some of the quality of accommodation um, being provided to to care leavers um, under the term of supported lodgings Uh, I personally have seen some brilliant provision really top quality with people um, uh, you know, having a, a really supportive relationship into early adulthood with young people, varying the support at the age and stage that the young person is, you know, and, and having a really person-centred approach for that. But I've also seen some unsafe and unacceptable provision and, and perhaps some young people moved into supported lodgings before they're really ready for independence. And I know that's a tough call. Young people will be pushing, many young people will be saying, no, I want you know, I want to move out and be self-sufficient. Um, and, and some of them will be ready and some of them will won't. Some of them will be ready and then something will happen and they need more support put in. So, so I think, you know, we've got to be much more fluid in that. But in response, the government have been consulted on new standards for that supported accommodation. It may not mean that we have the exact same model for a children's home because it will be a very different sort to provision but I really look forward to being part of a dialogue with young people with care leavers with local authorities and with providers about what really good accommodation and support for that group of young people look like so we we, we are all absolutely up for that challenge Chris and and I think there is a way to go until we see enough provision for these young people that's providing them with the right support at the right time and that's just one of the many issues that we've talked about today and the government I think has recognised the number of really important and complex challenges there are here in setting up the independent care review led by Josh McAllister. Is Ofsted playing a role in that? We are indeed. So I I regularly meet with Josh and we've um, submitted a range of documents, not just direct response to the questions he's asked, but also from our rich research, evaluation and inspection findings too. It's a real opportunity through the review to drive improvement for children and young people, including, I think, for care leavers, because we do see a lot of good practice. We see a lot of individuals going the extra mile. We see some improving local authorities. But actually, we want, you know, our ambitions are for it to be even better and for more children to be safe and supported into adulthood. We've been meeting regularly with the review team. We we, we hope in particular that they look at how all departments um, can work together to better support children. So, for example, and and you can see from, from the conversation with Donna, housing will be a key issue. She took took the opportunity to go to university to know that she'd have continuity of housing for three years. But what happens when you come back from from university? How easy is it to get accommodation in the the locality where you've got the most connection um, when you may have been moved around the country? Uh, uh, you know it whilst you were in care so all government departments have got an opportunity health those that are responsible for housing 
as well as local authority children's services. We want a really cross-government response to how can we secure the right employment pathways for care leavers. I know as a civil service, it's something that we've invested time and energy with, but there's, there's so much more as we could do, particularly in the context, as Andrew has said earlier, about our worries about rising numbers of, of care leavers not in education and training with the contraction in some of the areas that they've traditionally taken up employment. So we're really glad that the Care Reviews Case for Change recognises the importance of building relationship and that cross-government working. Too often relationships are broken following moves or changes in the lives of children and care leavers. They don't find themselves with the support networks that the wider population has. And also some of them will need support later in life. Donna may well have come back from university, got herself a part-time job, had some support. But then actually things things break down, don't they? I'm talking about lots of different Donnas. There may be another Donna for whom it was much more fragmented and they needed to step in and get that support. So where do you go? Where do you go as a care leaver when you're 25? And things aren't working out so well when you've you've got into debt, perhaps you've you've lost a bit of your job or your your family infrastructure that was providing some support steps away again. So we really want want the system to think about what is the support beyond 18, 19 or 20 for people who've been in the care system and how can all government departments and, and wider agencies step in to support them in getting the the stability and resilience they need into adulthood. So I'm going to bring in Andrew Cook, our regional director for the Northwest. Andrew, tell us about the issues facing care leavers in your patch. So uh, in the Northwest, uh, the Northwest is one of those regions that was actually really impacted hard by COVID right from the beginning and and continues to be so in, in many ways. I suppose right at the beginning, there was everybody was trying to do what was the right thing for for children and young people, and there was some there was some quick thinking by local authorities to try and support uh, care leavers, and and sometimes we did see some really creative ways in which to support them. I think probably some of the the real challenges was was just a, a lack of access to internet, laptops and dongles, and all of those sorts of really practical things that probably made care leavers feel even more cut off than they were before. Some some were telling us that they actually appreciated being able to be in touch with their advisors using technology, but actually, you know, that face-to-face was missed by all of us, but particularly also for, for care leavers as well. And some of the, the social events that authorities would have been putting on for care leavers were, were also obviously not there. I suppose what we did hear from personal advisors was that you know where they did keep in contact that that contact was good and care leavers uh, have told us through some of our inspection work that actually the support that they received w- was great there was sometimes a real need for practical support uh, practical support either through food uh, and sometimes social housing and the accessibility of all that uh, for care leavers has been an issue but, you know, I think local authorities have always tried to find ways around these things. I think the virtual school, which obviously has responsibility, um, some responsibilities towards care leavers, I suppose they're at different places, if I was to be honest, across across the region. Donna Brown is Ofsted's head of research and has care experienced herself. First of all, Donna, tell us about what you do as head of research. 
Thanks, Chris. So I have a um, I have a team of researchers, well, a few teams of researchers, actually, who work on various projects across Ofsted. I have one team in particular led by Tanya Corbin, who runs our social care um, research team. And then I have lots of responsibilities for education work as well. I've been Ofsted for eight years now, so I worked my way up um, from the bottom, actually. And I've worked on lots of social care work. I've been out on inspection, supporting inspectors with data analysis, interviewing about adoption. I've written lots of reports for Ofsted on domestic abuse, neglect of older children, knife crime, a whole a whole range of things. But yeah, now, now I lead a team who kind of do a lot of that work on, on education and social care. So Donna, tell us a bit about your care experience then. I went into care as a baby, about eight weeks old, I think, from what I understand. I spent the first nine years of that in foster care, but moved around a fair bit. I think the the longest I lived anywhere was three years. Um, the shortest was sort of a few months. Moved to school a lot. It was it wasn't it wasn't good to be honest. It was it was quite patchy and inconsistent, and I had lots of unplanned endings. And some foster carers were not great. Some I had one in particular that was absolutely fabulous, but lots of moving and lots of lots of difficulty really and completely separate from my family very little contact with my brothers and sisters if any for periods of years at a time when I was nine I went back to live with my mum I say back but went to live with her for the first time and then spent sort of nine to 18 moving around various family members temporary foster care also very inconsistent and very kind of not very happy to be honest sounds pretty tough and I'm sure you know uh, there'll be lots of people with similar experiences and tell tell us about the process of leaving care and striking out on your own as a as an adult (laughs) well so that conversation sort of started around 14 Uh, it was when I moved in with uh, an aunt and uncle of mine I have to say my 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 uncle really wanted me there and really wanted to help, but my auntie wasn't so keen. So the the compromise was that I would leave as soon as I'd finished my exams. So I knew, you know, very early on that I needed a plan of where to go, which I found quite stressful. I think it put me under a lot of pressure, uh, pressure that didn't, to be honest, that didn't actually sort of hit me until my late 20s because I just, I just got a job at 16. I worked and studied and I just... I just parred through and then it wasn't until I was sort of 26 27 that it kind of hit me that I you know it'd been really stressful and I hadn't really looked after myself very well and I was in loads of debt I'd been I'd had periods of homelessness for up to six seven eight months at a time sofa surfing including while working at Ofsted actually many moons ago but yeah it was it was not I didn't have much support. I felt I it very much felt like a cliff edge that people talk about. And I was really underprepared because actually I was really excited for it. I wanted to leave care. I hated being in care. I left the country to get that far away from it and then find myself on my own and in ways that I didn't expect. And yeah, just find it really hard and there was nowhere to go. And I just felt like I couldn't fail because if I failed, I had nobody to to call and I find that really hard. Tell us about how that drove your path to where you are now then because by you know by any measure you're incredibly successful within Ofsted you, you're 
lots of impressive sounding qualifications and a, <laughs> uh, and, a and a great team and, and job here. How do you, are the two things linked? Yeah, I mean, I would say in in a couple of ways, really. The main one is I wanted to spend my career helping vulnerable children, either on the edge of care or in care or leaving care. And I didn't really didn't really mind what profession that was in, to be honest. I just wanted to do that. So everything I've studied has all been around child law or family or uh, my PhD was in children's rights. So I've just spent years learning and listening to loads of care leavers, myself actually, and learning about lots of experiences that are different to my own and then try and find ways to help. I think the other thing is for me, I felt like I needed to make sure that I could be totally independent and the best way that I could do that was to just work and while you know I think from the outside that does look like oh isn't that amazing she's got this amazing career and well done and that's those things are true but I also had periods of really really poor mental health periods of nowhere to live you know I've had I've only just finished another round of therapy this last year for a whole range of stuff. So it's not it's not all about what it looks like on paper, is it? Yeah, it's still I, it's true, really, that care never leaves you. I think I think I'm learning that at 35 still. <laughs> Donna, I mean, you are hugely successful and, and, and your story tells tells us a lot about you and your determination, and your resilience in really, really tough, challenging times. When we think about care leavers as a group, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I mean, it's really sad to, to see that actually there isn't always that success, is there, in young people's lives? What, what do you think made it different for you or what does it make, you know, what was it that made you end up where you are? Because what, as I listen to you, that there's lots about you being determined, but is that is that determination from inside you or is it from or was it influenced by other people around you that idea about what success means is quite slippery isn't it because I think when I was younger and I went to university I thought I'm just such a success for what I've done coming from this situation as I've gotten older though success means different things to me now success means having good mental health which I didn't have for a very long time success means looking after myself eating well having good relationships with people around me, feeling safe. Success for for other people is is building their own family, having children. I think academically I did well because I liked learning and I was interested and school was my safe place. So, you know, I know that's not the same for a lot of people, but for me, when I went to school, I could be myself. I wasn't at home where I didn't feel safe and I was quite scared and shy and quiet. I went to school and I made friends and I chatted and I loved it. I did every after school activity going just so I didn't have to go home. But all of that stuff sort of culminated in in meaning I had options, I guess, at 18. But lots of care leavers, you know, come to that later in life. By around 30, care leavers are, are pretty much caught up. For me, catching up meant catching up on mental health, catching up on having somewhere to live, having a community around me. For others, catching up means going back to school or finding out what career it is they want to do so do we do we know enough about that because i suppose as a as a regional director in the northwest what worries me is 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 around 
care leavers who are not in education, employment and training. And, and I know that's just one aspect of life. Yeah. Um, and, and success isn't everything that, but it, you use the word options and it, it does give you options when you've got education. It's not about, it's not always about the destination. I think that's the other thing. It's about your journey getting there. So I think that the main thing for care leavers, they're not supported enough to make that journey through young adulthood fun and pleasant and happy and, you know, exploring life. And part of that is finding a, a job or a career or a passion that you can kind of live on is, is definitely a part of that. I suppose it's just it's just the idea that it's all about particular measures of success is the if we lose sight of the fact that it's also about having friends it's also about feeling safe it's also about feeling like you belong somewhere it's also about having a good relationship with yourself like you like yourself you enjoy your own company but all of those things are all hurdles in and of themselves obviously having a job and having some money in the bank helps <laughs> that makes those things easier so I definitely would be worried and I you know I think for any of us care experienced or not leaving school or college during a pandemic is is a worry like it's stressful what what are they going to do Thanks very much to Yvette, Andrew and Donna and thanks to you all for listening. You can find Ofsted Talks on our Twitter feed, on our gov.uk page and on Podbean.